Revelstoke schools are set to open in September uh, amidst the COVID-19 pandemic, creating huge uh, challenges for uh, schools across the province and here in Revelstoke. Uh, to find out a little bit more about uh, what the plans are for school reopenings in Revelstoke, I'm uh, joined on the telephone by Mike Hooker, the superintendent of School District 19, who's here to tell us a little bit more about uh, what we're going to be seeing come September. Mike, thanks for talking with me. Well, thanks very much for asking, Aaron. Yeah. So, um, uh, I guess start from the start. We're just looking for information on uh, what it's going to look like. Uh, maybe starting with the basics. Uh, what's What's the plan uh, come September for schools in Revelstoke? Yeah. So, so as you mentioned in the intro too, I mean, it, it is definitely a challenging time for schools because there, there's a lot of information out there about uh, about the, the situation whether you know whether whether schools should have reopened. And and I think one of the one of the things that we've leaned on uh, right back since in June was the provincial health officer. You know, Dr. Bonnie Henry was providing. She's always been providing us with guidance and and then guidelines along with those. So it kind of the school district has created. We're 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 basing our work on sort of four big ideas uh, that really do flow from the work of the provincial health office. And the first one is that uh, first and foremost is in, in a big picture way, a school is important it, and it's important to the healthy development of children and youth. And I think you've most you've heard that most often lately from from uh, from Dr. Bonnie Henry talking about the 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 the, the hurt that's happening, the harm that's being done uh, to children and families when school isn't running is actually now outweighing the risks associated with the COVID virus and the spread of the virus itself. So so given that school is important to the healthy development of, of all of us, then uh, ch- children in particular, of course, then that, that's the big idea, number one. So then when you when, when you work from that, you say, so how can we have school work? Well, uh, how can it work? And the second big idea is that we can set up those conditions. And so we have guidelines that say, how do you minimize the risk? of the spread and transmission while, while still creating positive learning envi- learning environments. And that's a little bit what we're, we, our work for the next two weeks is really to build on what happened in June to say, but so practically speaking, what does that look like? And, and there are a lot of questions around that, and we can come back to some of them. The third big idea is that June allowed us to try it. And we were one of the, one of the only jurisdictions in North America that opened schools back up in June successfully and, and did it on that part-time basis. But it did give us a chance to practice and the feedback we got at the elementary level was that kids really want, needed to be back at school. At the high school level, they didn't get to come back enough, so there was still some lack of continuity. So that's being addressed in this plan in, in September. And then finally, the, the big idea that it's a staged approach. So we're preparing for a full return right now, but, but that's stage two of a five-stage plan. And so uh, if we need to go, for, go backward a little bit, we're, we're also having to consider that to say if we did have to back off uh, and the advice to health office because of the spread, uh, starts to weigh that risk again, well, then we're prepared to do that. So, so those big, big kind of pillar ideas are the ones that we build all of our thinking off of. And we do work from the, from the recommendations of the, of the health office. Uh, a lot of the other information that we hear that causes some concern is, is information that's relevant, but, but is not necessarily scientifically relevant to the work of the provincial health office. So that's, that's sort of the, the, the big picture, if that makes sense. Okay, great. Well, I want to go back to uh, your, your second point there. Um, and I wanted to get into a little bit more about what is it, you know, for, for a parent um, who's listening to this, you know, what is it going to look like in the schools? I know there was some new guidelines around when and where you need to wear masks, for example, yesterday. Mm-hmm. But you yeah. know, sort of what, what, do, what do parents and students need to be prepared for and what are they going to be seeing when, when uh, they head back to school? 
Yeah, well, I think there's a, there's a fairly structured approach to that right now. And and as you mentioned, the guidelines are very new. So our staff are, are, are naturally going to be working hard on it, which was an advantage to have the two-day uh, delay in the actual start so that our staff, uh, staff had a better opportunity to work through the guidelines. They are comprehensive, and they talk about things like learning. Well, you've heard, the, you've heard the term learning groups or cohorts, and they're talking about having students in groups of, at elementary, no more than 60 students that you would routinely come in contact with and may not be in a situation where you can physically distance. So, of course, that's increasing the risk, but also it's, it's reducing the risk by keeping the group down to 60. Actually, in, in our situation at the elementary level, we're going to have cohorts that are, that, that are smaller than that. So just by virtue of our small schools and small classrooms, we've already maintained small class sizes. So we're going to be able to meet some of those other guidelines quite, quite actually quite seamlessly. It won't look a whole lot different than what it did previously. At the high school, uh, with 120 students in a cohort, we only have, we have under 100 students in, in most of our cohort grade levels. So we've got you know, about 85 grade 8s, for example. So we're looking at ways to structure that um, so that, that that includes, of course, the, um, the staff that are working with them. So it's not just the students. So we have to consider if a teacher was teaching grade 8 social studies and they also were teaching grade 11 social studies, now we have to consider that they're coming in contact with, with students outside their cohort if we're going to limit that to 120. So that's requiring, obviously, there's some, a fair bit of logistic work around that and then some of adaptability for our staff to be able to, to adjust what they thought they might be teaching to actually working, working within those cohorts. And the understanding there is that um, public health said, you know, that, that group size, they picked that group size and they said quite openly, whether it's right or wrong, whether it should have been bigger or could be smaller um, or could, should be smaller or could be bigger, um, if they needed to pick a size and say if, if there was um, a, a spread or if there was a, a positive test and they found COVID in a sample of, six, of 60 students, then of 60 people in that, at that point, they're able to trace it effectively and actually be able, be able to manage that number as opposed to saying in a school of 500 students, um, they, you know, kids were mixing all day long. Well, then if you have one sing, single case, now you've got 500 traces to do. So that was the idea of the learning groups. What might look a little bit different, um, and you mentioned it, is the face masks and protective equipment. And we'll see how that comes out in the next short while. As you, obviously, it's evolving. Last week, we were hearing that probably face masks wouldn't be um, required or and may not even be recommended. And so that, that has certainly evolved over, and we've seen a lot of that with COVID. It's, it, it, the best information today is not necessarily the right information tomorrow. So, mm-hmm. uh, so we're monitoring that. And, and from locally at the school district level, we're making sure we're ready with our additional cleaning supplies, our, our additional, and of course, the face masks. Uh, we're also looking into the use of some of the shields that you're seeing around around town right now. But And a lot of that is being considered in terms of the, the atmosphere in the school. And you've probably experienced this yourself. It feels a little bit different when you're out and about and people have masks on. It's got a different social feel to it. So we're, we're looking to a way to make sure that we're um, positively introducing that to students and then looking for ways to mitigate that little bit of disconnect that might happen as a result of some of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in, in terms of this challenge of um, like restricting students to to their groups, um, what, what impact is that going to have on scheduling? Do you know what do you know at this point? Like whether yeah. it's you know the same five days a week or or different times a week? What do you know at this point? Yeah, at this point we know. I think I think the only thing the students some of the students are going to notice a little bit different is is some uh, restrictions and requirements around being outside and playtime and like unstructured times mm-hmm. where we're going to ask them to be really cautious and careful in terms of either staying in their groups or or 
we're maintaining physical distance, and we know the younger the student, the more challenging that is. So we'll do some things around, for example, uh, uh, recess times. Well, normally at, um, at Arrow Heights Elementary, you'd have 180 kids all go outside, outside at the same time for recess. They really don't all need to go outside at the same time. We can, we can make some adjustments to have a smaller group out, and it'll give the kids additional play space, but they won't necessarily all see, see their, all their friends all at one time. And that's part of the, the introduction back to students to explain those things so that they become a part of that solution as opposed to being kind of a fear-based approach to um, managing uh, behavior. We're more saying, here's what you can do to contribute um, to creating a healthy environment. And one of those things is classic, Aaron, you were probably told, and I know I was, keep your hands with yourself at school. So, <laughs> um, so class, classic, you know, we're going to go back to those ones and see, you know, wash your hands more often and, and do keep your hands to yourself and, and, and keep that physical distance. So it can be a very positive thing in that way. One of the challenges at the high school, a significant challenge, is going to be the scheduling. And you mentioned scheduling. Mm-hmm. Um, staff are working on that now. Um, and uh, and our biggest challenge around that will be making sure that we're able to get students the courses that they wanted. Um, if we were simply just to schedule kids into courses and say, you, you know, whether you wanted this one or that one, you can, you, this is what you can have, that would be easy. Uh, what would be more challenging is getting them, making sure they get the elective choices that they want and, uh, and the, the courses that they need that, that, um, that, they're, that they're interested in. So, uh, and that's what they're working on. So that, that will make it more of a challenge, but I'm confident that's going to happen as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know um what, what is, so for a parent uh, at home uh, wondering about uh, you know what's going to go down in a, a few weeks from now and trying to keep up on the information and also mm-hmm. keeping in mind the fact that you know information is changing uh, it's it's a very fluid situation how how does uh, how does a parent keep on top of uh, you know the latest developments and what they need to know yeah, I think that the, the very best spaces are, are are to go to directly to the source, and I've included those links in keeping our school district website updated. But the source for us is the provincial health office. The Ministry of Education is keeping a good set of links back to the Center for Disease Control and WorkSafe BC. And um, and then the uh, and the provincial health. So those guidelines are all available. The, the daily updates um, are are being done on that website. And I think if folks are 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 relying on the sound bites that they're getting on either global or anywhere else, then they're getting a very small piece of the of all of the changes that are taking place. And so I think that you know, the, the very best is to go back and read and understand that good information. Know the sources it's coming from, uh, because the, the news, of course, is just picking up on enough to get you interested. And then what you need to do is dig a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 other piece for parents, I think, is is lots of conversations with their kids about uh, about those positive learning experiences that they're going to have in in this new reality. So, not too many years ago, we would have never talked about we would, would didn't know what coding at school even meant. You know, why would you be learning to code in terms of that computer programming? And now we're talking more about the focus on hygiene, and it's just because it's what's required. It's it's it doesn't need to be scary. It's just necessary. It's a part of our life. And so when they're talking to their students, their children about getting ready for that uh that's uh respecting those kind of physical distance barriers but not but not living in fear either because we're you know, bonnie henry's got lots of good research in her, in her background previous well previous to covid about the uh about how kids and viruses interact and so uh there's 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 good information for parents if they're if they're looking for it for sure 
Okay. I wanted to talk about um, the fact that, as you mentioned earlier, in June, you uh, the school district 19, the Rebel Soul School District, was one of the few to open it up and offer a, sort of a, a, a limited number of, of, of classes. I'm sorry, I don't have the details on it, but I, yeah. as you mentioned, you were open. Sort of what did you learn um, in June and, and how are you applying that as you look ahead to uh, reopening in September? Well, I think there was two parts to that. We, we were part of a much larger puzzle in terms of public health monitoring the BC school system and their return to work or in, the, in their return to school. And so our part in that small puzzle was first off to measure some measure some uh, some public confidence. Um, and we we had uh, we had the highest percentage of students return of any school district of the 60 school districts in the province. We had the highest percentage return um, to school in terms of attendance. We reported attendance every day to public health because, of course, if there had been anything like an outbreak, then they would want to know. And they and they were using Using that data from June province-wide to help them make decisions for for this year, uh, really truly to do with uh, risk assessment. Uh, for, so that was our part of the big puzzle. Uh, the part that happened in the schools was, and I mentioned it before, but it was the identification of, of some things that we can do quite easily in a classroom to mitigate those risks associated with being too close together and that personal contact. And by only having half of our students in at a time um, at, at the where were we at? We were at the K to four level with 50%, and now only 20% of our students at the grade six and seven, pardon me, K to five. So smaller groups at the at the six through 12. Um, so at the, the and they were calling them density levels at that time. So if you if you put a, normally 20 kids in a classroom, we were only putting 10 in. So it gave the students an opportunity to see what that would look like in terms of um, the separation. It gave staff an opportunity to try, to try out like inside outside doors, a little bit to do with traffic flow. Um, we did without lockers. We, we reduced some touch surfaces. So that little experiment in June, well, it wasn't an experiment, it was a good experience, but, but that, that work in June uh, impacted this for sure as we come back with a little more confidence that we can do it with a larger group. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of the the challenges of communicating uh, through the you know this process and through COVID is that um, information changes all the time, so it's hard to have complete information to present to people. What are yeah. some of the some of the things that are still have yet to be worked out that maybe parents or students are having questions about, uh, but you're still sort of in process working on them. Yeah, I guess uh, the, the the two largest ones are to do with the learning groups or cohort groups and how we're going to manage the, um, the, the the that part of the physical distancing and and really tracking of of um of, of students in that way so that we don't feel like we've uh, grouped them to the point where it feels very restrictive and yet we're respecting those groupings. So we've got we definitely have work to do on that. The other that we have um, a fair bit of uh, more understanding to to and and we don't have the information yet, but we know we know it's going to continue to evolve, and that's to do with the personal protection equipment um, and particularly face masks and we heard um, Bonnie Henry saying back in May, March April May that that was the last line and the least and the least effective line of defense uh, and others are saying but yes it is but that it is still a line of defense and so the, we're still not sure how to handle necessarily um, the, the that, that face mask issue um, and I think that's going to continue to evolve to determine whether it really is effective over the long term or whether it is just a um, uh, it gives you a false sense of security uh, in a school setting, and we did hear uh, some clarity on that lately. You know, in, in areas where you can't um, where you can't physical distance in a crowded hallway, for example, um, you should have a face mask on. We said, well, well, then, but what would be best for us is to 
organize it so we don't have crowded hallways. So that's where we'll be coming back to those key principles r- routinely uh, to make sure we're doing everything in the big picture way to mitigate those risks so that we don't have to have as much reliance on what has been called a, maybe a, a, a least effective or, or mm-hmm. my, marginally effective uh, personal personal protective. And, th- and then we've got an issue around busing as well, um, figuring out the busing. So that's, that's work that will come. Uh, it, we will figure it out. We bus in lots of students, of course, from out south and up and out, out Big Eddy and up to Highway 23. So, um, so we've, got it, we've got to figure those ones out as well. And I know some other districts are just encouraging uh, families to drive if they can and, uh, and then we do some busing. So we've got work to do around that one. I, I expect our timeline over the next little while, uh, April, August 26th, I'm hoping to get some more detail out to families so they, have a, you know, they can have a better conversation at school or at home about what schools are actually going to look like for their child. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, but, uh, but right now, I feel like the conversation is going to be, school's going to look a lot like it did uh, pre-COVID, actually. It's going to be an exciting environment. You know, it's going to be a fun environment, and there's going to be some new, some new things to learn and to work on together. Okay, great. And just one last uh, detail. We did talk about this earlier, but um, you mentioned today you've sent out a, an email, I presume, to uh, to parents with a, yes. an update. And can yep. can they uh, also find? Is that also going to be on the school district website? The same communication, or like so? It, for example, someone new to town uh, wondering how to get connected. Like, how can they uh, make sure they're getting the latest information from the school district? Thanks. Yes, exactly. That's on, that's on our on our sd19.bc.ca website. Site. And yes, all the communication that goes out is is there all the way back as well. So as those things go out, we update the website. And actually, and later on this afternoon, it'll uh, it'll be sent around to social sector. There is an invite in that last one. And it would, thanks for mentioning that, Aaron. In terms of families new to our system who wouldn't have their emails recorded at a school, um, there is an invite in there that'll go out widely too to contact the school principal or me directly, and I'll make sure that they get connected with with information so they don't have to go looking for it. We'll send it directly to them as we get it. Okay. So mm-hmm. Mike Hooker is the Superintendent of Schools for School District 19, uh, Revelstoke. Uh, my name is Aaron Orlando. I'm reporting for RevelstokeMountaineer.com. Mike, uh, thanks for taking some time to talk to me. Uh, it's a changing situation, so I'm sure we'll have some updates uh, as we head towards September. But, uh, you know, best wishes on um, the efforts to get the school open uh, in September. Thanks so much, Aaron. Take care. Thanks.